Welcome to Music History Monday for October 3rd, 2022. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Carl Nielsen. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the death on October 3rd, 1931, 91 years. Welcome to Music History Monday for October 3rd, 2022. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Carl Nielsen. We mark the death on October 3rd, 1931, 91 years ago today, of the Danish composer and violinist Carl Nielsen in Copenhagen at the age of 66. Nielsen had what we might call a bad ticker. He suffered his first heart attack in 1925 when he was 60 years old. A nasty series of heart attacks put him in Copenhagen's National Hospital on October 1st, 1931. He died there at 12.10 a.m. on October 3rd. Surrounded by his family, his last words were, quote, You are standing here as if you were waiting for something, unquote. We could take those last words a variety of ways. For example, we might assume that Nielsen, suffering from delirium, was genuinely curious as to why his entire family was gathered around his bed. But knowing Nielsen as we do, he was a salty, funny, straight-shooting person and a proud family man married to a famous sculptress and the father of five kids. Well, knowing him the way we do, we'd like to think that Nielsen went to his death cracking an ironic joke. Not quite as ironic as Chicago's founding guitarist and vocalist Terry Kath's last words, quote, Don't worry, it's not loaded, unquote, but ironic enough. Before moving on to Nielsen's life and music, a few necessary words about the huge and, though relatively underpopulated, composer and music-rich region of his birth, Scandinavia. The geographic term Scandinavia can be used two ways, properly or improperly. More often than not, I employ it improperly. Now, this was gently but firmly pointed out to me in response to my Music History Monday post for September 20th, 2021, a post that dealt with the Finnish composer Jean Sibelius. I will therefore make a second pass at this issue of Scandinavia, hopefully getting it right this time around. Scandinavia properly refers to a sub-region of Northern Europe that consists of the countries of Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Or, or if we are referring specifically to the Scandinavian peninsula, the nations of Sweden, Norway, and Finland, but not Denmark. Improperly, but oh so commonly, Scandinavia is often used to refer to not just Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, but Finland, Iceland, and the Faroe Islands as well. Properly. 
we should be referring to Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Iceland, Greenland, the Faroe Islands, and the autonomous region of Oland, an autonomous region of Finland, consisting of some 6,700 islands, as being the Nordic countries. Humor me, please. For our purposes, okay, my purposes, let us refer to Scandinavia rather improperly as consisting of the music-making countries of Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Iceland. I would suggest that collectively, these countries constitute the Canada of the European landmass, a huge, climactically challenged area of extraordinary beauty that has produced an artistic community the breadth and depth of which is way out of proportion to its small population. Yes, those cynics among us might suggest that in such northern climes where it's so dark and so cold and you have to stay indoors for so much of the year, there are just so many things you can do after you've eaten, slept, drank, and mated and playing a round of golf or surfing in February is not among them. Certainly, Scandinavia represents a vast area of great environmental extremes, environmental extremes that challenge both the body and the soul, extremes that encourage reflection and contemplation. Iceland is the westernmost European state, an island nation with a total population of around 366,000, roughly 130,000 fewer people than attended the first Woodstock Festival in 1969. Denmark is the southernmost of the Scandinavian countries with a current population of some 5.8 million people. It shares a roughly 50-mile border with Germany, and as such, Denmark is that Scandinavian country most influenced by German art and culture. Norway lies northwest of Denmark. It has a current population of approximately 5.3 million people. Despite the fact that physically Norway is roughly 10 times the size of Denmark, it remained predominantly Danish and therefore German in cultural sympathy well into the 19th century. Sweden, immediately to the east of Norway, is both the largest and most populous Scandinavian country. At 173,648 square miles, it's more than 20,000 square miles larger than California. With about 10.3 million people, its population is half the size of Greater Los Angeles. Sweden was a major European power in the 17th and 18th centuries and remains a manufacturing and high-tech hub to this day. Think Saab, Volvo, and Ericsson. Finland, the northeasternmost of the Scandinavian countries with a current population of about 5.5 million, shares a roughly 400-mile border with Russia a geographic bummer about which we've all become acutely aware since February 24th. Over the centuries, Finland's cultural orbit has vacillated back and forth between Sweden and Russia, depending upon who was the occupying power at any given moment of time. Altogether, the Scandinavian countries boast a landmass 
10 times larger than New York State and a total population about the size of the New York City metropolitan area. It sort of goes without saying that there's a lot of empty space in Scandinavia. It's easy enough to list the preeminent Scandinavian composers of the late 18th and early 19th centuries. In the 18th century, the Swedes Johan Egrel and Joseph Krauss, and the Norwegian Johan Berlin. In the 19th century, the Norwegian Niels Gade, the Danes Johan Hartmann and Johann Svensson, and the Swedes Adolf Lindblad and Franz Berwald. What all these composers had in common was that their music was based on German-slash-Austrian models and, with the exception of the music of Berwald, has remained obscure outside of Scandinavia. Oh, and poor Franz Berwald. In his lifetime, his music remained obscure even in Scandinavia. Born in Stockholm in 1796 to German parents, he became so frustrated with his inability to secure a decent position as a composer that he cashed it all in and moved to northern Sweden, where he became the manager of a sawmill and a glassworks. But the spirit of nationalism that swept through so much of Europe in the years after 1848 swept through Scandinavia as well. And this is where our story begins. Four Scandinavian composers emerged, each of whom is today recognized as the paternal parental unit of their respective national musical tradition. In Norway, Edvard Grieg, who lived from 1843 to 1907. In Sweden, Hugo Alfven, who lived from 1872 to 1960. In Finland, Jean Sibelius, 1865 to 1957, and in Denmark, Carl Nielsen, 1865 to 1931. Despite the fact that Nielsen was born in 1865 and, as such, reached his compositional maturity in the musical environment of 19th century Romanticism, he lived and composed long enough into the 20th century to have been influenced by the revolutionary new musical languages of the 20th century. For example, given its musical content, Nielsen's Symphony No. 4 of 1916, which will be the topic of tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post, could not have been composed in, say, 1890. Carl Nielsen was and remains the central figure in Danish music in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. His music, his writings, and his attitudes about music exert a decisive influence over Danish music today and have been a source of inspiration for composers across Scandinavia as well. Nielsen's rise to fame is a classic success story, a Scandinavian Horatio Alger tale of a nice guy eventually finishing first, writes musicologist Robert Layton, quote, From the seventh of twelve children born in 1865 to a village house painter, to Denmark's national composer, and now to internationally acclaimed symphonist, is some story. And whatever the risk of fairy tale cliche 
the importance of Nielsen's humble background has to be stressed. His mother's singing, his father's violin and cornet playing in the village band, the four-year-old Nielsen's makeshift outdoor xylophone made out of different sized logs from the woodpile, the 11-year-old's improvised songs at wedding feasts, all these combined with the sights, sounds, and personalities of his home island of Funen, implanted a reverence for the simple original, which was to become a lifelong artistic creed." Unquote. Nielsen's concept of the simple original, or what he also called expressive simplicity, is the key to his music. He grew up on a diet of village music and the music of the Baroque and classical eras. From the very first, Wolfgang Mozart was his favorite composer and remained so until the end of his life. The clarity, the concision, and the directness of expression Nielsen heard in the straightforward village music of his youth and in the music of Sebastian Bach, another one of Nielsen's favorites, Mozart and Joseph Haydn, remained the essential underpinning of all his music. We might think of him as a Danish Antonin Dvorak, but without Dvorak's purposeful compositional virtuosity. In fact, Nielsen generally disliked the sort of overt compositional virtuosity and expressive excess that marked so much 19th century romantic music. For example, commenting on Wagner's massive four-music drama Ring Cycle, Nielsen wrote, quote, It is Wagner's taste that is intolerable. Reckless gorging on every musical interval all the time undermines the health of his music. We thus see how necessary it is to preserve contact with the simple original." Unquote. Nielsen felt much the same way about the compositional virtuosity of such late 19th, early 20th century German-speaking composers as Gustav Mahler, Richard Strauss, Alexander Zemlinsky, and Arnold Schoenberg. In 1909, Nielsen wrote, quote, I am surprised by the technical skills of the Germans nowadays, and I cannot help thinking that all this delight and complication must exhaust itself. I foresee a completely new art of pure, archaic virtue. We must go back to the pure and the clear." Unquote. Nielsen's promise as a composer got him a free ride through the Copenhagen Conservatory, where he studied from 1884 to 1886, and from where he received a strict German-style schooling in harmony, counterpoint, and musical form. After graduating, he took various jobs as a violinist, ranging from the Royal Chapel to dance bands at Copenhagen's Tivoli Gardens, while he continued to compose on the side. In 1901, having completed his first symphony and first opera, a work entitled Saul and David, he was granted an annual state pension so that he might have more time for composing. Oh, oh, gotta love those state pensions. His second symphony followed in 1902, his third in 1911, the fourth in 1916, the fifth in 1922, and the sixth in 1925. Nielsen died six years later, in October of 1931, at the age of 66, 
once again 91 years ago today. We would note that Nielsen was not just a composer of symphonies, operas, concerti, chamber and vocal music, but was as well a true musical citizen of his country and adopted city of Copenhagen. He composed a cantata for the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Copenhagen Polytechnic High School. He composed a cantata for the opening of the Copenhagen Municipal Swimming Pool. He composed cantatas for the 50th anniversaries of the Young Merchants Education Association and my personal favorite for the Danish Cremation Union. We bet that piece was really hot. A real barn burner, most assuredly. And he worked on educational and patriotic projects like the piano album for the young and old and the songbook Denmark. Despite its popularity with Danish audiences, Nielsen's music did not receive the critical acclaim it deserved, and in Nielsen's lifetime, it remained almost completely unknown outside of Denmark. For our information, Nielsen's music didn't make its international breakthrough until 1962, 31 years after his death, when Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic recorded his Symphony No. 5. And so, while the occasion of Nielsen's 60th birthday in 1925 brought felicitations, a decoration from the government of Sweden, and a gala concert and reception in Copenhagen, the man himself was grumpy. In an article published on November 9, 1925, in the leading Danish newspaper Politiken, Nielsen wrote this, quote, If I could live my life again, I would chase any thoughts of art out of my head and be apprenticed to a merchant or pursue some other useful trade, the results of which could be visible in the end. What use is it to me that the whole world acknowledges me, but hurries away and leaves me alone with my wares until everything breaks down and I discover to my disgrace that I have lived as a foolish dreamer? and believed that the more I worked and exerted myself in my art, the better position I would achieve. No, it is no enviable fate to be an artist." Unquote. Boy, oh boy, being myself older now than Nielsen was then, I get what he's talking about. Heavens, yes. We can only wish for Nielsen's sake that he could feel the love and respect his music garners today, 91 years after his death. We will together experience that love and respect when we tackle Nielsen's Symphony No. 4 in tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.